Father, this morning we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. The final day, the last day, Father, of this month. Ten months are over. All we can say is, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, thank you, Father. But for your mercy and your faithfulness, we wouldn't be here, Father. I want to thank you once again, Lord. In this hour, we commit ourselves, entire church here, everywhere. We come by faith under the blood of Jesus, where we are under protection. And I speak your anointing over our lives, O Lord. Today, even as we look into your word, just continue to teach us. And as we pray, pray through us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll turn first to First Corinthians chapter four, verses one and two. Let man so consider us servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay, we've been looking at part two, second verse. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one may be found faithful. Okay, so there are what we call the mysteries of God. Mystery basically means uh, which was hidden, formerly hidden, but now revealed. Okay. If that's what mystery means, does not mean you can never find it. Okay? <laughs> mystery means it was hidden, and some things like I remember a person I knew, I mean, a person passed away, but um, in Hyderabad, the person's father or grandfather from a Hindu background had given this person a huge and weighed around 12 or 15. Tons, a safe made by those days by those artisans. And every month of every year, one little socket will open. The money that is needed is kept in it. It is time locked. Okay, all kind of crazy. I don't know whether it, is, whether it was a really mechanical or demonic. I don't know. Okay, there are a lot of demonic things that happen. Okay, so what I'm saying is some mysteries are time bound. And when the time is up, it starts opening. Before that, it doesn't matter even if Daniel tries it or not. <laughs> okay? It is sealed. So there are mysteries of God. And we are stewards of that mystery, meaning we know it, we understand it, and we learn from it. Okay? And one we saw was in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7 in actually KJV. Okay, we saw the mystery there. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now let it will let until he be taken out. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's an honestly, it's a real mystery of iniquity. Iniquity, though it will become personified before our eyes, if we are alive then in the Antichrist, it is not a person too. Okay, when it becomes, it gets into a person, we experience it. But iniquity, it was said, was found in him. Okay, so iniquity is 
also not a person. Like ideas can get into a person, but ideas can exist in itself. Okay, ideas can. So iniquity is a mystery. And then we saw in First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 16, yeah, the mystery of, oh, sorry, 3.16, the mystery of, great is the mystery of godliness. Okay, what counteracts and overpowers the mystery of iniquity is the mystery of godliness. Okay, and that mystery of godliness is what Christ manifested on earth. Christ manifested on earth, the mystery of godliness when God became man. And he manifested the mystery of godliness. And that mystery is what overcame the mystery of iniquity. Now, we, we, we have learned, we see from scripture that iniquity did not originate on earth. It originated in heaven. And it originated in the probably the greatest, the finest act of creation of God has to be Lucifer, if you look at his description. Okay? He's made perfect in all his ways. That's how he was made. And he was a covering angel. But remember, he was created. That is our major issue. That means there was a created and he was created. And that's what we all are. We are created. We can never become the created. Okay. Now he was a created being, but the best of the best with the highest exalted position in creation. That's how I see him. Okay. The best of the best God and he's been given the highest position in creation. And he should have been very humbled and grateful. This is why these two things are so important. Okay. Because we have no choice in anything that we actually are. Basically, if God had decided, we would not even have been born. So the very act of being birthed is a choice of God. And we should be humbled by it. And whatever position we have, or we think we don't have, it does not really our concern. We deserve nothing. Okay, and of all creations, Lucifer should have been the most humbled and the most grateful. And if you look at these two things run through the Bible about being humble and being grateful, the fact that we are sitting here, not just born, but born again, is a huge thing. We should be humble. Why should I be born again? Because the fact, it's an actual fact, I know for a fact, I meet in my life People from other faiths were much better than me, but they are not saved. Much better than me. Honestly, I have met Hindus and Muslims, Buddhists, much, much better than me. They have got the ethos of their religion and they have it, but they are not saved. And ultimately, why am I saved and why are they not saved? And it should humble me instead of lift me up. It should make me grateful and not ungrateful. And that's why God looks at these two things. And this is very important in the kingdom of God. Very, very important kingdom of God because though he was the best, you know, instead of being humble, he was proud. He became proud. 
instead of being grateful and serve God with joy, he rebelled against God. You see, it's gratitude is connected with serving. If we are not grateful, we will not serve. Remember, the one who was given one talent according to his ability was not grateful. He was upset. That's why he didn't serve. You need to understand that this is a fundamental. Ungrateful people will not serve. Will not serve. Okay? And if there is the law under which they are forced to live, they will just do the basic minimum. Bare minimum, the law. Because they don't understand the awesomeness of grace. Because we don't, de- that's why the no man can boast. We don't deceive grace. We don't deceive in mercy. We don't even deceive mercy. So get these fundamentals in. Okay, so what did he do? Pride came in. He stopped serving. And he tried to covet a position. Which could never be his. Okay, forget trying for something which is possible. Okay, it can never be ours. We can never be the owner of this universe. We can never be the creator of this universe. We can never be. Because by the virtue of creation, I cannot be a creator. But he tried for something. And that's when he was cast down. Okay, so that's where iniquity began. So we need to look at the origin of iniquity and the manifestations of iniquity. The manifestations of iniquity is that what happens is, one, humility goes, pride comes in, and we start serving self. Satan is still serving, but he's serving himself. He's serving himself, okay? He's serving himself. So, And we need to understand that he's still continuing his schemes from the beginning with mankind. It's probably after his fall and everything that man was created. Man was created. And after that, the creation of man, he comes over there. And from that time till today, he is continuing. Okay, that's what the Bible says. The culmination of his work on earth is, if I'm right, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6. Yes, 2. Okay. Yeah, um, we can read from verse. Now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own, that he may be revealed in his own, and the mystery of lawlessness is already iniquities at work. Only he who now rested, the he, H, capital, you need to realize, whenever there's a capital, it is God. So it is the Holy Spirit, okay? Until he is taken out of the way, the Spirit of God is taken out of the way, then the lawless one will be revealed. Okay, he has not been revealed yet. He's not been revealed yet, okay? He has not been revealed. That's the time the Antichrist will be revealed, okay? Whom the Lord will consume, okay? The Antichrist, the person, the personification of iniquity, evil, will be revealed. But sometimes we focus so much on the Antichrist and we forget the spirit of Antichrist, which is iniquity, is working. It's working. And it's increasing. That's why the Bible says evil men and seducers will wax stronger and stronger. Why? It's because the power of iniquity is not decreasing. It is increasing. Therefore, even though we are thinking about the number and finding the three, six, all those things, don't worry about that so much. Be more concerned about the power of iniquity that is working. Okay? And the question is, iniquity is a mystery. 
See, even us who are seated over here, all of us who believe we are born again of God, there are two persons inside. One is the old man and one is the new man. In the old man is the power of his mystery of iniquity working. And in the new man is the mystery of godliness working. And the question is, which one is strong? Whichever is strong, that is what is actually will start working. And we have to be careful about it. There are two people inside over here. You know? And uh, this iniquity okay, is what is, how it works, it's a mystery. Reklam, I read an excerpt from uh, theologian. It's a Catholic theologian, but they too, there are some really good ones. Mysteriously, the stubbornness and the hardness of the heart of the damned reached a point of no return. How does a soul end up in that state? It is mysterious. But it surely happens gradually. Sin is added upon sin and hardness of heart grows. The demands of God's justice seems to be increasingly more obnoxious. Okay, See, it does not, I mean, I will, I will tell you. Mm. Okay, I will use an example which is from here. Every day when I preach, whether it is on a Sunday or from here, I make one thing. Don't forget to see God first thing in the morning. Try to wake up early and see God first. Now the problem is every time you hear, you reject it. And after some time, you will realize the words, it doesn't even register because that area of your heart has been hardened and the Holy Spirit has left. He won't touch it. He hasn't left you. He won't touch that area again. He leaves you. And then you take the whole heart and look at different areas he's trying to speak. And he speaks, you reject. You speak, you reject. You speak, you reject. And after some time, you know what? It's like leprosy. Leprosy doesn't begin in the whole body. It begins in one small part. And you lose sensation there. And then slowly it starts. And that's how it happens. Okay, Before you know, or we do not know how long it takes, Okay, how long it takes, Okay, it's. and if you look at King Saul, he was a very sensitive man in the beginning. And even when he was chasing Saul or David, at some point he was sensitive. And after some point, you know, it becomes. Because after some time you will see that, it's like he says, the demands of God's justice seems to be increasingly more obnoxious. The hardened soul starts to sneer at God's law as intolerant, backwards, and simplistic. And of course, God's law is none of these things. But as darkness grows within a heart, the light seems more and more obnoxious and hateful. Soon enough, concepts such as forgiveness, love of enemies, generosity, all these seem wildly unrealistic, even ludicrous. When does a soul reach the point of no return? Is it a death or sometime before? It is hard to say. But here we reach the deepest part of the mystery of iniquity, the permanently unrepentant heart. It's very dark and very, very mysterious. Okay, And that's what you see on the cross. On the cross we see the mystery of godliness. And on one side, we see the mystery of iniquity. This is a man in the throes of pain, minutes from death. And he refuses to repent because his heart has crossed that point. And the simplest, the most stunning part of it is, you know, when this man who cursed and died, Jesus, when he is hanging over here, you need to realize he is 
the closest to the Savior. He's closest to the Savior. He's closest to the shedding of the blood which brings a remission of sins. And he's the closest to the prayers of the Savior before he dies. But his heart has crossed that point where he cannot turn back. This is the mystery of iniquity. Okay, That's why God, see when we read verses, you need to hear the compassion of God, where he says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Why does he say that? Because he understands the mystery of iniquity. Today, when you hear, he says, quickly, because there is this mystery that is working, the mystery of lawlessness, the mystery of iniquity. And no man knows. No man knows. No man knows. Okay. While on the other hand, they both look the same, but inside they both, you know, he had not reached that point. He had not reached that point. So he is able to turn to Christ and believe and go. He had not. One man reached that point. The other man did not reach that point. And therefore, we cannot play dice with our eternity. Cannot play dice with eternity. And this is where these things are important. If you go to Exodus 34 and verse 7, where God says, Keeping mercy for thousands, Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. Okay, he says, I cannot clear the guilty. And what is our guilt? Our guilt is not sin. Which comes later. Our guilt is iniquity. When a baby is born, the baby has no sin, but it has iniquity. Okay? It has no sin. It hasn't sinned at all. Okay? It, it, it doesn't know, no, even know what sin is. But the nature is there. All it has is to do is allow the child to grow and the sin will manifest because the nature is the nature of iniquity. That's what he says. Visiting the iniquity which is in the fathers upon the children and children and children up to where the fourth generation. We don't understand again the mystery of this fourth generation. I think it is in God's mercy, he says, by the time you come to the fourth generation, I will still give you a chance to intervene and cut it off. We do not know. We do not know this mystery of this fourth generation. Okay, Because if you go to Genesis 16 and verse 16, Okay, when God is making this covenant with Abraham. Uh, yeah, 16, uh, is it 16? 15, 16, sorry, not 16, 16, 15, 16. Okay, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here. Why? For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. He says, if you go now, you cannot destroy the Amorites because I have not given them up yet. I have not given them yet. For them to be given over, for a man to be given over completely, God says his iniquity has to be complete. He says, by the time you are there in Egypt to the fourth generation, you know what? These people would have reached their tipping point and you can go and take them. I would have handed them over. Because so this is, there is this mystery about it. Okay, this is mystery. And we do not, I do not understand it, but I do see the patterns in the Bible because you see Abraham is the one who is the chosen, the father of believers. And there is Abraham, and there is Isaac, and there is Jacob. By the time it comes to Jacob, iniquity is increasing. You see Jacob in the beginning, not in his end. He's worse than his father and his grandfather. I mean, he's actually a conniving, deceiving fellow. Okay, by the time we come to the third generation. And by the time we come to the fourth generation, his sons are rogues. 
So Jacob's, the future of Israel is hanging on the balance, the fourth generation. And there the eleventh man steps up. The eleventh one steps up. Okay, that is Joseph. He steps up. And you will see the mystery of godliness. That is why it is written the genealogy. This is the genealogy of Jacob. It does not continue with the iniquity. It goes into Joseph. And in Joseph, what you see is the mystery of godliness. Okay. Unbelievable. The mystery of godliness. Okay. And you know what he does? He breaks that power. And the next thing you see, after a few years, the whole family is protected by him. Okay, so that's what God is talking about. We have to understand parallelly two things are working in our lives. We have the mystery of iniquity working in us, and that's what the Bible says. See, you cannot destroy iniquity. You cannot destroy iniquity because iniquity cannot be destroyed. It's an entity that is separate and apart from you. But for iniquity to work, it works through the flesh. Okay, the flesh is different, iniquity is different, but iniquity works through the flesh. That's why he says, through the spirit, put to death the flesh. You know what? You do not allow iniquity to manifest. That's what. But that's, that's the negative part of life. The positive side of it has, you have to allow the mystery of godliness to work out. This is our primary battle. That is why if you look at these uh, people to whom God says, well done my good and faithful servant, you are faithful in little things. You would work like, what did he do great in life? You know, he knew how to put down one and he knew how to work out the other. And ultimately they stand before God and see that they worked it out. So also understand, we use theological language and uh, sometimes theological language and ideas we put across are not fully true. What is fully true is the Bible. Not man's perception about the Bible, but the Bible. Like we have an idea. I know we all preach, Pastor Vijay preaches, I have preached about it and we got it from great men before us that Jesus came and he saved us from the penalty of sin. And right now the Spirit of God is working in us to get us from the power of sin. Okay, And then we move into a place where there is no presence of sin. Okay, And because there is no presence of sin, we will never fall again. Not true. We will never fall again. It's true. <laughs> because when God created everything, there was no presence of sin. And still one third of the angels fell. When God created Adam and Eve, there was no presence of sin. Still man fell. That's the mystery of godliness. That's why it is a mystery. The mystery of iniquity. Because when God created, there was nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay, And the simple question is, one third of the angelic host fell. And they fell with the best. We would think about somebody who is the lowest to fall. No, the lowest did not fall. The best fell. Now you go to your classroom and you have 50 students and you know your students and you know this is the weakest. This is the one from whom I am expecting first rank. And then in the exam you see the first rank fellow cheating. You. How would I expected that one to cheat? But you, it's a mystery of iniquity. 
So there are mysteries. So the simple question you have to ask, this is the mystery. How can the angelic realm become so sinful? Right? And how can the fallen human race become so godly? These are all mysteries, right? You would have expected them never to fall. They fell and become so evil that no man would be as evil as one of them. And we have fallen and gone into evil and evil and no one would expect us to be godly like Christ. This is the mysteries. These are the mysteries. So where does the mystery of godliness come? First Timothy chapter 3. 16. Sorry, we can have 15 and 16 actually, both. Okay? Okay. If I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. And he was justified in the spirit. Justified meaning? No sin. Justified in the spirit. And he was seen by the angels preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. Okay, if you go to verse 15, okay, verse 15 over there, okay. What is it? The church of the living God. What is the church of the living God? The pillar and the ground of, not of, truth of the truth. What is the truth? The mystery of godliness. That is the truth. The church is the pillar, the ground. Okay, God is truth. Jesus is truth, Spirit of God is truth, the Word of God is truth. The church is the pillar of this truth. What is that? Against the force of iniquity, there is this overpowering, great mystery of godliness. And it was manifested in our eyes. That was Christ. That's the truth. The mystery of godliness is the truth the church has to portray. It is possible. Iniquity is not what is powerful. That's why Jesus did not just die for our sins. He had to rise again. If he does not rise again, though he died for the sins, death is more powerful. But he has to rise. So therefore, resurrection power is what we need because that is the power that destroys the power of sin and therefore the consequences of it. So here, there is the truth. The mystery of godliness. So this is not truth as a set of ideas. This is truth personified in the person of God in Jesus Christ. In God, but in Jesus Christ, otherwise we will not understand. We have to understand because if we have to understand something, it has to be seen in our realm. Our realm. If it is in the other realm, we will not understand. It will remain a mystery. If it comes into our realm, we will not. Whatever it is, whatever is in our realm, meaning our material realm, with Sufficient study, we can understand it. Right? Car, bike, and all. When we first saw it, we didn't understand it. Now we even don't understand it. We use it very well. Understanding comes. Okay? You go to the mechanic, he will take the whole thing apart and he will put it together. He has better understanding than us. So everything in the material realm, with time, you can understand it. Okay? So God came in the human body and showed us the mystery of godliness. This is the truth. 
It's a mystery of godliness that overcomes the mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity. Okay, And how did he show it? Now we have to look at these two pictures so that first we understand the pictures and the principles behind these pictures. I'm not going into Ezekiel 28 or Isaiah 14, but we know it by now. How was Satan made? He was made or created perfect in beauty, in wisdom, in all his ways. That's how he was made. That was how he was made. Isaiah 53 verse 2. He shall grow up before him a tender plant as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So when Jesus came, he did not come as a tall, dark and handsome guy. No, he was just a simple, ordinary looking person. Here is somebody made perfect in beauty. And here is somebody who has no beauty. No beauty. I'm not saying to have beauty is wrong. No, that's not what God is saying. But we're saying when the Son of God came, He came with no beauty. Second thing, Lucifer was made perfect in beauty. Jesus, it is written, grew in wisdom. Sorry, made perfect in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. You need to see how it happens. Okay, how God... The word of God says, Satan's heart was lifted up and he became proud. The Bible says, Jesus humbled himself. The Bible says, he was trying to be equal or even greater than God. So he was seeking a reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation. Okay. Satan rebelled against God. Jesus was obedient even unto the point of death and death on a cross. So you see two mysteries working side by side. The mystery of iniquity works in a particular way. The mystery of godliness works in a particular way. And once we identify these things, we need to be very, very, very careful about these things. We need to be very, very careful about these things because you know what? People are upset because they are not good looking. They get very upset about it. That one is better looking than me. I don't have the looks. If I had the looks, okay, God says, my son came. He could have been the best looking because he was God. But he chose not to have any beauty. Because per se, there is no beauty, virtue in outward beauty. What is the virtue? It's his inward beauty. And Jesus had that inward beauty. Okay, Not that he could not have been outward, but he chose not to. See, we don't have choices. That's why we have to look at Jesus. We don't have choice. I had no choice where I was going to be born, how I was going to be born, what would I look like. I didn't have those choices. None of us have. Jesus had. Jesus had. He was one person who had a choice of what he could become. And he chose not to. That's where you need to look at the mystery of Jesus Christ, the mystery of godliness. Because he's saying, if I came in all this thing and overcame, you also can. Because if it's written, and when we see him, there was no greater beauty, then we'll see, therefore, I need beauty to overcome. When he came, he was found perfect in wisdom. Then we'll see, you see, I need that kind of wisdom to overcome. And when he came, he was born in Caesar's palace as Caesar's firstborn. Oh, then 
That's why God did not come in anything that flesh longs for because he says, you know what, this is what Jesus talks about. And this is the simplicity of the gospel. Okay, The Bible says the gospel is to the poor. The gospel is to the poor. Meaning, the gospel is very simple. It's not complicated at all. It's very, very, very simple. Gospel is not theology. Okay. No gospel is theology, but theology in very simplest form. Like, I have somebody who works in my home, taking care of my mother, working now for two weeks. She can't read and write, as far as I know. She doesn't know. She's not literate. Okay? But if you are there at home, all the time she's listening. Why? Because this is the goodness of God. Faith does not come from reading. You can read and read and read and read and end up with no faith. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Okay. Because if faith comes from reading, Bartimaeus would have had no faith because he was blind. But he heard. But he heard. This is the simplicity and the goodness of God. That's why we need to understand. None of these things which you were, there's nothing per se wrong in any of these things. What I'm saying is, but these things is not going to generate faith or love for God. Because the mystery of godliness is not connected to these things. The mystery of godliness is connected to God. How does God work these things out? So when he sent his son, you know what? He had no beauty. He had to start from zero and go up. Grow in wisdom. He was not given special favor. He had to grow in favor with God and with man. Okay, And ultimately by the time he finished his ministry, he lost favor with all men. That also was there. It's not that he continued in the favor of men. No. The father's way for the son, for us to learn that. Because you see, if the gospel is true, then it should be possible for any man. Anywhere down the spectrum, from the lowest of the basest of the base, the poorest of the poor, the most illiterate, it should be true and possible for everyone. And if it is not, it is not the gospel. It's not a good news. It's selective news. That is where we need to understand. And that's why you should read your Bible. Because many people, when they read the Bible, they think this Bible is too difficult a book. It is not a difficult book. Your spirit is hardened. If you're poor in your spirit, the Bible is a very easy book because that is the nature of God. That's why Jesus, when the disciples came back and Jesus thanked the Father and said, Father, I thank you that you have hidden it from them and revealed it to the children. Reveal it to the children. Okay? So when you, you have to approach the Bible. It is not the text of the Bible that is the issue. It is the state of my spirit that is the issue. If you are poor in the spirit, because the gospel is for the poor, if you are poor in the spirit, you will realize the gospel speaks. The Bible speaks. Okay. And that's, that's what God, Bible is talking about. So you see these things with Satan. He was beautiful, full of wisdom. He was proud. He chose a reputation. He rebelled against God and ultimately he was cast down and he will be cast down to the lowest part. And Jesus on the other hand is exalted and exalted far above. That is a mystery. Incarnation itself is a mystery. The mystery of incarnation. These are the mysteries of God. Okay. So when you and I come 
to Jesus. Jesus comes to us. Then we go to Jesus. Okay? The mystery of godliness is what we need to understand is this. It is Jesus coming to live in us. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 onwards. This is Paul's prayer and we need to keep on praying because this opening of an eye is not a one-time thing. One time thing. No, when you when you wake up in the morning, you don't open your eyes like this. You open, especially if the room is bright. If you have woken up late, the sun is now falling on your face. That caused you to wake up. You don't open your eyes wide. You open slowly, right? Okay. So the spiritual eyes are not opened in one shot. It is a gradual opening to receive the light because our eyes cannot receive all the light, even even our physical light. Eyes, okay. You have any doubt? You won't find a single human being on planet Earth who goes outside midday, looks at the sun, and walks free. He won't walk free. He will lose his sight, okay? Because these things are put there. You need to understand God in His mercy. The Bible says to save mankind. First thing is, is the whole of creation declares what? And what is the glory of God? Reveal me your glory. He says, My glory is in my name. And my name is merciful. My name is gracious. The whole heavens is declaring the mercy of God. The whole of creation. You think, look at the mercy of the whole of creation. The voice of our conscience. The Holy Spirit hovering over the whole earth and waiting to convict a person. The gospel that is sent forth through a thousand different ways. It's the mercy of God. This is God. And God says, I wish your eyes would open that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What? In the knowledge of him. We need the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That we may know what is the hope. What is this? That we may know. Now we go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is this mystery? What is this mystery? Which is Christ? You knew. This is a mystery of godliness. Now we go to Romans 8.29 and we will understand the mystery of godliness. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What did he predestine? To be conformed to the image of his son. This is a mystery of godliness. This is how I wrote it down in the morning. Okay? 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 Listen carefully. With both sides are true. When I got saved, when I got saved, when you got saved, what the Spirit of God does it, He takes you and me and puts us in Christ. Me in Christ is the hope of my salvation. Christ in me is the hope of my glory. It's not the same. That I am in Christ is my hope I will reach the other side. Christ in me is my hope I will receive glory. But the glory I will receive is the mystery of Christ in me. How much will I be conformed to the image of Christ? That's the mystery of Godliness. So what overcomes the power of iniquity, the mystery of iniquity, is the Christ in me. Is the Christ in me. Because why? He has overcome it when he was on earth. 
He has already done it. He has overcome it. He has triumphed. He is seated on the highest. So I cannot overcome iniquity. Christ can. Christ can. So the mystery, the great mystery of godliness is Christ in me. Okay. So what saved, what did God save me through? What do we call it? We call it grace. So by grace you have been saved through faith. And now you come to Titus 2 verses 11 to 14. Okay. The same grace of God that saved me now comes and teaches us. Okay. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no. It teaches us to say no. See, without teaching, you cannot say no. Okay, you look at our little Gracie, she's saying no. What did she say? How did she get that? Because when all our children start doing something, the parents say no. So they received a teaching. They received a teaching. What is the teaching? To say no to this. And usually we start with dangerous things. No, they pick up things from the floor, put and we say no. We say no. Or they go towards a fire, we say no. And most things children is this, if it's at low, they want to put their finger in and we say no. We say no. But you cannot say no unless you have a teaching. So grace saves us, yes, from the penalty of sin. But how can grace save us from the power of sin unless it teaches us to say no? What should I say no to? To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to look at this, the passions or desires connected with the world. All passions in itself are neutral. Passions are neutral, okay? But when this, see, every, like a tactile, take up, um, um, take uh, note, a currency note, no? Your hundred rupee note and my hundred rupee note, if it's from the same new bundle, looks exactly the same. There's no difference at all. But all you have to do is exchange it. Then its nature changes. It takes the nature of the honor. Okay, if I am a, if you are a person who have learned to say no, no, no to worldly person, that hundred to be next, it's nature, that nature. But if I am somebody who has said yes, 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 yes to worldly passion, suddenly that hundred rupees empowers that passion. Because the passions are neutral. Passions are neutral. Hunger is neutral. You all have to eat. But that same hunger can become Dangerous. Okay? Can become very, very dangerous. So that's what the Bible is talking about. Teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion, to live self-control, upright and godly lives in this present age. Okay? So it talk, tells us about something. There is a teaching. There is a teaching about no to this and yes to this. There is a teaching. Both has to be there. Some teachings are just negative. And negative teaching is not going to take you anywhere. You have to say no. And you have to say yes to a lot of things. But the S yes will not come until you have learned no. Until you have learned. You know if you look into the Garden of Eden. Let's use a number 1000. Let us say there were 1000 trees there. They had yes to 999. And no to 1. They went after the one. 
See, we only see do not eat. That's not what God said. God said you can eat from all these trees. Because if you do not see that, you'll always see this Christian. It's a very restrictive life. There is no fun at all. It's so boring, which is not true. God has said a yes to a thousand things. And in, in, in eternity, it will be infinity. There will be no no there. It will be only yes there. Okay. That's why we need to understand that God has said no to things which empowers iniquity in us and empowers ungodliness and tells us to say yes. In the process while we are doing, what are we waiting for? Waiting for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul, so yeah, let's, let's, uh, when Paul writes this to Titus, He's talking from his own passion. Most people who hear it don't have that passion. You know why? Why they don't have that passion? Because the mystery of godliness is not really working in them. Mystery of godliness is Christ in us. Okay, I, Roma, it gave you this illustration long ago. And this is, I um, mean, when these old-time thermometers used to crack in our young days, we would be running to collect the mercury. <laughs> we didn't know mercury was dangerous and all that. We went, we didn't understand. But the thing is that the mercury falls, they all become little, little balls, right? But when they come together, they suddenly become a bigger ball. And finally, all of them put together, it becomes a big ball, okay? That is the Christian, a small dot of mercury. There is coming this huge ball of mercury. Now, in me, that mercury is only longing to become one with him. This is where the issue comes. See, honestly, it is not. It's like a thermostat or a thermometer. You can actually check your own temperature depending upon your longing for Christ Jesus. It's not a very difficult thing. And honestly, the whole thing is that that is why the Bible says these are fundamental things. These are simple. Think on these things. Okay. Now I'm telling you. Okay. Today's, today's, today's uh, age we are living in. I keep telling this to especially married people. Okay. Married people. I tell them because what is under attack is the home. The home is under attack. The devil hates the home. He hates families. He hates it because God is a father and God is a family. Therefore, the amount of attack on families in the 21st century is unbelievable. So what has God given us? These technologies are not from the devil. They are from God. The devil uses it. devil has never invented anything because the wisdom that he is using. Like if I gave you a thousand rupees and you bought everything and said this is mine, which is not true. Yes, it is yours. But who gave you the money? I gave you the money. So the wisdom which was given to the devil was given by God. Copyright is with God. Copyright is with God. So you need to realize you have all these gadgets. And there is this marriage always. There is tension in the marriage. Why is there tension in the marriage? And why is not there so much tension in other places? You don't have a tension with somebody who is walking on the road. Okay, You have tension in a marriage. You have tension in church. And you have tension in a workplace. Workplace tension is different. It's connected with work. These are two places where there is tension because there is a law of God says these two are supposed to become one. That's why the tension. If God had said these two shall remain two, there's no tension. 
So minute he said that, a spiritual law came into play and that law will try to cause you to become one while the spirit of iniquity will try to separate you. So what you are supposed to do? You are supposed to be thinking about each other. And the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Okay? Old days, men and women did not go far away to work and all. Everything was within one kilometer radius. So they met, they talked all the time. Today we all go far away to work and also God has to keep in touch. Don't believe the adage of the world, out of sight, out of mind. That is the devil. You can be out of sight, but you can never be out of mind. And if you are out of mind, you are allowing the power of iniquity. So Christ is out of sight. But the simple question is, is he out of mind? You know what Peter said? Even though you have not seen him, he used to... How do you know you love somebody? How do you know you love somebody? How do you know? Oh, I feel this heat. You know, that must be gastric juice. It is not we are talking about that. How do you know somebody? Even though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled. How do you, how do you know you love somebody? Not whenever. Not whenever. You think about that person always. That person is always in your mind. Even in your working, it's a person is at the background of your mind. Because you love them. Just check your thought life. Christ on, in heaven and the people on earth. The people on the earth whom you think about all the time are two people. One who the whom you love and the two the one who makes you angry. <laughs> the ones you love have more power to make you angry. That's the nature of it. Okay. So think about, this is a simple thing. So if you are waiting for Jesus Christ, the only possibility is your mind is upon him. If you are not, that's what I'm saying, we are not trying to make the written word of God into something mystic. We are trying to make the person of God, which is in, that's the purpose of the word of God, to reveal a person. That's why Jesus asked also, what are you looking at the scriptures for? <laughs> you're missing the whole thing. I am standing here and you're looking at the scripture. Where is Christ? I am here, right here. Okay. So there is this person. Okay. And this person, you see, I'm, te- why I'm telling you is this. If you're not love, in love with that person, the mystery of godliness will not work. Mystery of godliness will not work. Okay. Mystery of godliness will not work. Mystery of, like, yesterday you saw my nephew had come with his wife, right? So, I was talking to her at the dining table, so I asked her, is he still like that? <laughs> so, in between, when, when he was saying something, that he used to turn. And she looked and said, oh, now I understand. There is somebody you fear. <laughs> there is somebody you fear. Okay, you somebody you fear. Okay. So I kept on asking, is he still like that? Is he still like that? He's still like that. She said, he's exactly like that. So I told him, you cannot be like that. Okay, I said, look at your mother. Look at your mother. You know why she's like this? Because she was taking care of few people, everything. From picking your clothes to everything, she was doing it. Now your wife is doing it. 
said it's not right. It's not right. It's a false form of love. It's a false form of love because that's not how God loves us. One, God says the thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. Those are thoughts. He says, you are always before me. No, that's why we put pictures on our refrigerators. Our children may be far away, but they are always before us. The words are always in our mind. Thoughts are always there in our mind. And you know what? Every day he's doing something for us. All the time. I and my father at a work from the beginning until today. Get these three things. With God and with man. With God and with man. Get these principles because you know what? We are going home. We are going home. And this is how a home is built. This is how a home is built. And if that is not there, there is a problem. You cannot wait for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, you cannot suddenly at the blow at the trumpet, oh, I was waiting. You know, you are not waiting. You were not waiting. You were not waiting. You know, when the children are small before they get into the world and their minds get messed up, you know what? Those little ones used to know exactly when I was coming back. And they would not sleep. They would not sleep. Their ears are ears. So once the gate click, I see from there this curtain going back. I mean, that person hasn't slept. Is waiting, 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 waiting. The door, the key, click, and suddenly you see the person is standing there. I'm waiting for you. Why were they waiting for you? Because they were thinking about you. The mother may have fallen asleep. The child hasn't fallen asleep. Thinking, dad is coming, dad is coming, dad is coming. Ears are so sharp. You know what? I used to be so quiet to see that I wake up nobody. I would hold the door tight and turn it. But one click is there. Click, and that was enough. Now, that click would not have woken up anybody except who was waiting, hearing for that click. Okay, that's what he says. But yes, that's why he says, okay? And that's what God is talking about. So whether you are in heaven, waiting for the Lord, or on earthly level, that is how relationships are built. This is the mystery of godliness. Okay? And all the complaints in homes is that he doesn't care, she doesn't care. And that's the true, out of mind, out of, out of sight, out of mind. You don't care. And God has given us every gadget possible. And with for us today, with God, unlike humans, because network will fail, WhatsApp message may not go, not delivered, but with us, the Spirit of God instantaneously can relate us to God anytime, every time. 24-7, we can be connected to God. And that's what is talk about. This is the this is the only mystery that is going to help us. Because if there is this mystery of iniquity working and growing stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, when it reaches the tipping point, the man of sin will be revealed and is called the son of perdition. He will become personified. This is the high point of iniquity. The Antichrist will come. And you know what? He's a flatterer. 
He's a flatterer. He will come and he will, and he, I believe he will be an absolutely good looking dude with all the world wants. He will have it and they will adore him. But when Christ came in, he had none of this. He came without any of these things. Okay. So get these pictures very, very clear. Absolutely, absolutely clear. So what is the mystery of godliness? It's Christ in me. But Christ, when he was born, like he was born, like he was born in the manger, he has to grow. He has to grow in two things. He has to grow in wisdom. He has to grow in state. The Christ in me is the hope of my glory. That is the mystery of godliness. The mystery of God, like I said, salvation is me in Christ. Hope of glory is Christ in me. How much has he grown? How much has he grown? As simple as that. It's not theology. It's a person. Person, right? My simple question is that it is written in the book of Samuel that every year uh, Hannah came to Shiloh to meet her son and to offer the sacrifice. And every year she brought an effort. She had stitched, hand stitched, and for him. How did she know his size? Though he, he was far away, he never left her mind. She was measuring him in her heart. My son must be this much. My son must be this much. My son be this much. That's exactly what my mother used to do. She came once a year. She didn't know what my size was. She measured in her mind. And she brought. Okay? Because you can see in your heart a person is growing in your heart. A person doesn't grow in your heart if the person is not in your heart. It's not in your heart. And that's what the Bible is talking about. Christ in me. That's the hope of my glory. Christ in me is the hope of my glory. Okay, But that's only possible. You see, we are limited in our humanity. We can choose two things. I will be a master of few or a jack of all trades. And master of none. If you are a jack of all trades, you will never be a master of anything. So we do not have that capacity. So that is why priorities come. And priorities come is this. God and man. God and family. That's priority. That's your priority. Priority. If that priority isn't there, you will realize, you know what, your hope of glory is in vain. You're depending on your works. You're not depending on Christ. Because Christ does the works which God has prepared for him even before the foundation of the world. I can do any work, but Christ in me won't do any of those things. That's why works are tested by fire to see whether it is Christ or you. Whether it was the prepared works before the foundation of God or you prepared it yourself. These are important things because we are moving towards that day. Moving towards that day. So that is why in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. For in Christ Jesus. Okay. In Christ. Not in man. In Christ. The Christ in me. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything. But what is that? Faith working through love. And that's why love is called the greatest. Love is called the greatest. And love is always directed towards a person. Why does God say do not love things? Because love is not meant for things. Love is only meant for people. It is never meant for things. You can like things. 
you cannot love things. Love, because if you love something, you have devalued love. Love is God's soul loved man. Though he created the earth, he didn't love the earth. He will burn the earth, but he wants to save man. Love is for man. Love is for the creatures, not for the rest of the things. So we have to be very, because it is impossible for a person to love things and then to truly love a person. Because it always dilutes. Always will dilute the love for the person. So the Bible says the most powerful, we need faith. Faith is believing that he is trusting God, seeing the invisible, all those things. But the way it works through is love. Why? Because love is connected to God and to man. Love God, love man. That's how it works. This is the hope of our glory. This is a mystery of godliness. This is how it outworks, the mystery of godliness. And then, if you allow this to work, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, what is the, what the Bible says? Is, love has been perfected among us in this. When that love for God and man has been perfected, how it is? Christ is perfect. Christ is the only one who can love God and man in the perfect way. When it is perfected, what is that? We have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, we are, as he is, because he always was like that, okay? We are in this world. What is that? We really love God with all our heart, all our mind. This is the first and the greatest and the one almost similar or close to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you see that? And this gives us boldness on the day of judgment. Where does our boldness come from? Because love has been perfected. The mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. You want to understand the mystery of godliness. I want to tell you. I said these are all measurable. If it is not, just check how you love people. Just check how you love people. Just check that. Satan loves nobody. He's in love with himself. He's a projection of self. God loves everyone. God so loved the world. Okay. Just think about it. Okay. This is how you measure. This is how you understand. Okay. So this takes us to the final mystery for us on earth. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses 51 to 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Many, many will sleep, but not we all. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, yesterday we saw at the seventh trumpet, the mysteries of God are complete. Right? complete. So at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised in corrupt. I believe before that there could be rapture, but this is the final. Everybody will rise. All who are saved will rise. What will happen? The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That is the final mystery. The Christ in me will be revealed. And as stars differ in glory, each one will get the body according to that glory. The nature or the material of all our bodies are same. Right? 
all same. But our outward nature is not the same. Some find glory in their height, some find glory in long hair, some in their color, complexion and all. This is all outward, but it is a shadow of the truth there. We do not see the same kind of worldly glory in all of us. It's different. Heavenly, it will be different. The Christ in us will be revealed. That is the hope. This is the final mystery. The final mystery is when the inward man is projected outside and he gets his body. Okay? So you need to understand there is this mystery and that's what Revelation 7 talks about. Final trumpet, the mysteries of God is complete. It is over. Now there is nothing hidden. Everything has been revealed. And all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. They are all waiting. They don't know. They are all waiting. Because nobody knows. At that trumpet when this takes place, they will say, wow, that, oh, that one, okay, I never thought this one would be first rank. This is first rank. Nobody knows. Only God knows. This is the mystery of Godliness. Now you know why in the new creation there is no chance of fall. No chance of man will not fall because Christ in man cannot fall. That's why it is not the absence of sin there. It's the presence of Christ. That was the mystery of godliness because when God created there was no presence of sin. Absolutely no trace, no presence of sin. Still one part of the angels fell. When God created Adam and Eve, there was no presence of sin. Still man fell. So how is going to reconcile this thing that is going to have a new creation where there will be no sin forever and everyone there, including man and angels, will never fail, never fall. You know what? That's the mystery of the cross. How was it possible? Because of the cross, because of the blood. We understand the mystery of the cross because he died for us. The angels see the mystery of the cross and they will not fall. The cross does not speak to us alone. It speaks to the angels too. That is why they worship him saying, the lamb that was slain. Not for them, for us, but it's a lesson for them. Because they see how God became man. They saw the power of iniquity in Satan. They have seen it. And they have seen the power of godliness in Christ. Therefore, they won't fall. So Christ speaks to both. And we will not fall. Okay? So closing, go to Job 1.6. And then I think Psalm 103.20 also. Let first read. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Who are the sons of God? Angels. Now Job, uh, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord you, his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So who are they? Servants. They are sons and they are servants. So what are they? They are also stewards of the mysteries of God. What are we? Sons and servants. What are we? The stewards of God's mysteries on earth. Okay. So they are also, they are also sons. They are a different kind, but they are also sons. But they also serve who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Unlike us, we do his word sometimes. But that's not a thing. We do not understand the voice of his word. That is the spirit of the law. 
We just keep the law and mess it up. But they have discernment because they are in the spiritual realm. So when God tells Gabriel something, he immediately knows the intention behind it. What is that God wanted? We need the spirit to show what is God intending. So remember, they are stewards of God's mysteries. Why? Because they are sons and they are servants. And on earth, you have sons and daughters and servants of God. And you know when they, I'm telling you, they have no issues again. Okay? They look at us and they realize one day these guys will be above us. Not all of us, some of us maybe. Okay. Because Christ is superior to the angels. Anyway. See that's you know, wow, I will be greater than the angels. No, you won't be. Christ in you will be. I can't be superior than the angels. Not possible. But Christ in me, depending upon that's let's look at the final verse. Galatians four one. I say the heir. If you are a child of God, you are a co-heir with Christ Jesus. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. So you are heir. Because as soon as Christ came in, Christ is the heir. He's the heir. He's a ruler. Okay. As long as he is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. So the simple thing is that once you are saved, make this very clear clear. Lord, help me not to enter into heaven as a child. I want to enter in there at least as a young man or a woman, not age, spiritually, or as a father. Lord, give me the grace. Give me the grace to enter there. You know what? That is eternity. You need to look for promotion, okay? God is a God of promotion. Okay, everybody runs after a promotion on earth without realizing real promotion is coming. (laughs) Real promotion is connected with maturity. How much has Christ in me grown? Christ in me grown. So this morning and their evening, get these two things. These two things are working simultaneously in us. If the old man is not dead, which he has to be killed every day, it's a mystery of iniquity. In the new man is the mystery of, not just mystery, the great mystery of godliness. The great mystery of godliness. Okay? So understand the power of iniquity. And understand the power of godliness. Okay? And both have to be taught. Iniquity is there. Like I said, iniquity is there. We were born with that nature. But we don't know how to sin. We will be taught. We will be we will be taught. That's why we say the first five, first five years of a child's life is so important. And if his parents are so careful in those years, how they behave with one another, because the child is learning. Child is learning. He's learning either godliness or how to sin. It's learning. You know, learning. Because everything is seeping in. Because, and what is it empowering? It's empowering iniquity or iniquity is not being fed. That's what David means by, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my ma- sin my mother bore me. So it's a, where is the sin? It's dormant. How will the sin come out? We don't know how it will come out. How will not come out? Okay. How will it come out? Okay. Like Jacob's sin is different from Isaac's sin. Completely different from Isaac's sin. Okay. Jacob's sin has empowered by both his father and his mother. Empowered. 
both his father and his mother empowered that sin and he becomes a total deceiver receiver. Okay, so iniquity is there. That's Iniquity does not manifest in the same way. It manifests in all of us have that. We are brought forth in iniquity. How will it will manifest? Depending upon what sin we are taught. Some sin we may not just naturally not like. Like I don't like drinking. That doesn't mean I am a teetotaler. It's not a great way. I, simply because I hate that thing. No, it's not even an acquired taste. It's simply because of what I saw it did to my home. That's why I hate it. Because I saw the effect of what it did to my home. And then afterwards, so many homes I have seen. What has it done into the homes? And I say, you see, I mean, you know it is real. Alcohol destroys people. It simply destroys people. Drugs destroy people, okay? And you know it. And the, the simple question is, people all know it. It's put its statutory warning is there. And still, why do people take it? It's the power of iniquity. It's the power of iniquity. Power of iniquity. Why do people do stuff? Now, let me ask you this question. Is it written, all liars go to hell? Yes. And still, do we lie? Yes. Why do we lie? How do we stop lying? You have to be, you have to go through that process of one shutting down this and opening up the other. The mystery of godliness. You know, you cannot be on the negative side. The great mystery of godliness is what overcomes the power of iniquity. The power of iniquity. You have to, you have to learn. And it's, it's a teaching. There's so many in that teaching. The mystery of godliness, it's a teaching. The grace of God that saves mankind has appeared to men and teaches. What teaches? It's interesting, the Bible doesn't say the truth of God comes and teaches. It's the grace of God. Why does it say that way? <laughs> Have you ever thought? Well, I would think as a teacher, Lord, you came with truth, grace and truth. But here you are saying the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men and teaches. To say no and to say yes. Why? Let I'll give you and we'll stop there. I tell Deepika, Deepika, go to the shop. Don't buy this, this, this. Buy this, this, this and come. Will she go and get anything? No. What is she waiting for? Give me the money. That's why the Bible says grace. Grace is the power of God. Not truth. Grace, grace teaches the truth. But if you treat, teach the truth without grace, you can buy nothing. You cannot say no to anything or say yes to anything simply because you don't have the power. That's what the Bible says. Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. But out of his grace, we have received blessing upon blessing, not truth. Truth will not help you. Truth will not help you. It's grace that helps you to keep the truth. Okay? That's why. So you have to go through these things. You know? That's why we, we say he's called the spirit of grace. We have the grace, the power of God. Okay? So don't hear something and say, wow, I want to go practice it. And you'll fail. Because iniquity will immediately start working. 
It will not work. And then you get disappointed and say, why did I fail? Because you received a teaching of truth without grace. You thought you could do it. Nobody, even the best of men in the old days, all of them failed. Nobody could keep it. It is grace that enables you to keep it. So even when you learn a truth, don't run. Go to the throne room of grace and receive <coughs> grace to do it. Every day. That is the humbling. Come boldly, confidently, every day. Humble yourself. Lord, mercy. Because I still know I haven't reached anywhere I should be given the time you have given me. I need mercy and I need grace to practice it. I need grace. I need the power of your Holy Spirit to be a witness of the life of Christ because that is the hope of glory. Lord, I am not coming here pleading for salvation. I am saved. Don't make that mistake. I am saved. I am in Christ. But I am worried about the Christ in me. Because whenever I look in the mirror, I only see me. I don't see you. So don't flatter yourself. Oh, no, no. Honestly, you should be, let's say you can be complacent about everything except your spiritual growth. Don't ever be complacent about it because you know why? We don't know the heights Christ can attain. We do not know the heights Christ can attain in us. There is a limit to us. There is no limit to Christ. Limit to Christ. The limit to the Spirit of God. So God was looking for one man and that man was his son. And that son grew and grew and grew. Physically he stopped maybe six feet something he stopped. We don't know. But he never stopped growing until he was filled without measure. It is just like if you could take the whole ocean and all the waters of this world and put it into this. Is it possible? The fullness of God was put into man. That was Christ. And you need to realize that is the Christ in you and me. You and me. So when God forgives, it's because he sees me in Christ. When God is upset, it is because he doesn't see much, much of Christ in me. <laughs> much of Christ. Okay, so have the assurance of salvation, but strive for mastery. Paul says, strive for mastery in these things. Come, let us have Peter and we will pray.